This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emeris, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. Are you going to be audited by one of the new 87,000 armed IRS agents that they are hiring? If you watch the news, you might have heard that same question posed or, you know, if you're on social media, which I unfortunately am, have seen a lot of stories and a lot of people talking about this of, hey, IRS is after me and they're going to be coming for you too. And here's them hiring all these people. Now, if you don't watch the news and you're not on social media, then maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're probably better off that way. But this week, we're going to talk about uh, some of the misinformation out there about this. And then also what really does get you audited and what you should be doing, what you should be looking out for. And a couple of tips on if you are to get audited or under an audit right now, what you should do. But before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Your techs don't want to stand around while you type in details for an RO. With Shopware, an RO gets up in seconds instead of minutes, and everyone gets on with their day. It's that easy. GetShopware.com In today's world, managing the labor side of your business is more important than ever. Utilizing their industry-leading software, Labor Profit Management, Repair Shop of Tomorrow can help shops maximize their profits by developing a specific plan for each client. Please visit them at RepairShopOfTomorrow.com just to be abundantly clear here, the armed $87,000 IRS agent story is mostly fake. Um, the IRS does want to hire more people. And I think in the next 10 years, they have mentioned that they are going to hire 87,000 IRS agents, but it's not all going to be armed agents. And this might shock some people, but most agents are not armed at all, right? You know, 99.9% are not. But the IRS does currently have armed agents. I've actually had several clients that have been visited by IRS agents that show up with a badge, a gun. You know, they literally look like a federal agent, you know, which they are. Now, if you have never had the pleasure of having the IRS show up at your door with guns, then you probably haven't done anything to merit it. Now, obviously, my clients that had someone show up, a couple of the situations were complete miscommunication. Um, one of them was a wrong address. A couple other ones I've had, it was for a reason. They had been ignoring stuff. They had been ignoring notices. They were very behind on taxes. If you are getting tax notices, the best thing that you can do is keep communication. Really, whenever I get a situation where someone is really back against the wall and the IRS is really trying to put the screws to them, usually what I see is that people have disregarded stuff. They haven't followed through with what they told the IRS. And the IRS will, you know, they'll be patient for a while. You know, most of these taxes have unlimited lifetimes of collection, meaning, hey, Hunt, if you owe me money right now, we're going to get our money or we, you know, we'll try for the next 40 years. You know, they have a lot of time. Even at the quickest ones, there is some tax that gets discharged over 10 years. Um, and I've seen situations where people have been getting close to that 10 year mark. And towards the end, the IRS gets very nasty because they're out here to make money, right? They're out here to get this tax money. And so they're not going to just let that walk away. Kind of back to the story on, on where this came up with is there was job placing or, you know, job ads out there where they are trying to hire more armed IRS agents. I'm with everyone that says, hey, you know, take with whatever they say with a grain of salt, because if that's really their intention, are they going to probably put this story out there? No. But realistically, what they're trying to do here is some of these new agents that they are hiring are going to be into this armed division. 
One of the biggest ways that the IRS makes money is through organized crime, gangs, drugs, cartels, stuff like that. The reason is, is if you've you know followed any of these stories, a lot of times when they have organized crime, you know, the, whether it's the mafia, whether it's a you know Mexican drug cartel, whatever it is, a lot of times they know that they're doing other legal activities, right? Selling drugs, murders, whatever. But what a lot of times they get them on is tax evasion. Right. Because some of these other things are very hard to prove. Hey, we can't really prove if you told that person to kill that other person. We can't prove that we told you to kidnap that person or if, you know, they ran away on their own. However, if they can come up with someone and they can say, hey, you know what? We can't prove any of that stuff, but we can prove that you brought, you know, over 50 million dollars in cash into the United States this year and you didn't pay a tax on a single cent. If you are sitting here right now and you put $200 extra on your tax return and the IRS catches you, you're not going to go to jail, right? They're not going to take you to federal court. You're not going to spend a day in jail. They're going to say, hey, give us our money plus penalties plus interest and we're going to move on. But if you have severe underreported, essentially deliberately hiding a large amount of money from the government, that moves on to a higher spectrum. You can't just say, hey, you know what? You guys caught me. Here's $20 million in taxes. They will get their money, right? So they'll still charge you the same thing, plus interest, plus penalties. And also you're going to go to jail, right? You're going to go to federal prison for stuff like that. Kind of going back to what I was saying, you know, these IRS field agents have caught a lot of these people. Usually they work very closely with the FBI. Fun fact here for any accounting people out there, the number one undergraduate degree that gets recruited for the FBI is accounting. Everyone thinks the FBI is, oh, they're out there, you know, run around chasing bad guys. No, a lot of it is stuff just like this, looking for money laundering, you know, looking for terrorist activities with bank transfers and stuff like that. And then obviously taxes. Most of these stories that come out, there's some semblance of truth. It just usually gets twisted into such an extreme or, you know, whoever's saying it, a talking point that makes sense on their side, right? But armed agents are real. The IRS is going to be hiring more agents and more armed agents. Overall, it's nothing that I'm really that worried about. And honestly, there's a part of me that's actually a little bit excited about this. I probably dislike the IRS more than anyone that's listening to this episode, right? Unless you're an accountant, you probably have never had to talk to the IRS. And if you have, maybe a dozen times, maybe if you're unlucky, two dozen times. I have the responsibility, I guess we'll call it, um, or the obligation that I have to talk to the IRS all the time or try to talk to the IRS lately is more what it's been, but it's never fun. Right. I feel really bad for some of my clients in some of the situations because they start to get frustrated. Hunt, we haven't heard back. Hunt, we filed this. Hey, we gave them this response and they haven't written back. What can we do? How can we accelerate this? Right. And I get where they're coming from. I know you want to get this settled because the IRS works like nothing else. They move at a snail's pace. They move at their own pace and there's nothing that you can do. So to give you a little example on why I'm a little bit excited here is right now there is tax returns out there from 2019, 2020 and 2021 that have not been processed. I have clients that are waiting 18 months. I have one client to wait like two years for a refund. COVID has obviously magnified this problem. COVID has made it increasingly worse. Um, We won't get into the setup that they have for remote work, but it's not very good. And a lot of the agents that we're trying just couldn't even give us the information. But even before COVID, it was never a quick turnaround time. Um, The IRS has always worked at a certain speed. They always will. But hopefully... If they can get a little bit more money, a little bit more funding, that's going to get more people processing returns, 
right? So when they are talking about this, another kind of spinoff of this story came out with this new legislation because the IRS is getting a lot more funding. I think it was the head of the IRS came out and did a Q&A, which I read very, very briefly. But he talks about and he says, hey, you know what? A lot of this is to staff admin office people to be able to handle this stuff, to be able to get this through, to be able to work on procedures to expedite the overall process. Is that going to help? I mean, I can't see it getting worse at this point. And so maybe if they had some more people to process this stuff, it would make my life easier. It would make your life easier if you're sitting there waiting for a refund or waiting for um, you know, a response on something that we sent in. Another thing is, you know, on the admin side of it is right now, there's a lot of times that we can't even call into the IRS. Again, very weird when you tell someone this, but there'll be days that you call up and you say, um, you know, you dial in a number, put which extension you want to get, depending on what our issue is. And they just say, hey, you know, due to high call volumes, we're not accepting any calls. That's it. Um, now, during COVID, there was weeks, even probably months, maybe, where I never was able to get anyone on the phone. Didn't matter if I call in the morning, at night, I could not get anyone on the phone. It's a bit better now. Um, I would say generally we can get someone on the phone, but it's not uncommon to wait an hour, hour and a half. And so that's the really hard part about calling the IRS is let's say I have a half hour free in my day. I don't have enough time to call the IRS because there's a good chance I'm still going to be on hold and then I have to hang up. And so I had to block out a large amount of time to be able to do this stuff, which is obviously annoying for me. Again, annoying for my clients that are waiting for this. If we could get some more people answering the phone, then that'd be great. Maybe I should send this episode over to the IRS and say, hey, you know what? Here's the common complaints that everyone hates. Can we uh, fix this? Yeah, I don't think that's going to help. But again, like I said, it's only going to hopefully improve things. And the last one is, is, uh, you know, filing any sort of paper returns, amendments, stuff like that, where this kind of comes into play is, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the employee retention tax credit um, and a couple of things that are out. If you haven't listened to that, go check that out. But if you have already filed your amended 941 returns for the employee retention tax credit, those are just getting slower and slower and slower. When we did our first employee retention tax credits, you know, probably sometime in 2021, um, when they announced this, it was probably like a three month turnaround time. You know, we send in a return three months later, they've processed it, given my client a refund. They are officially saying six months. Lately, they've been saying nine months. Um, for most people that I've been seeing, though, this is about a nine to 12 month ordeal right about now. If you're filing the employee retention tax credit right now, it's not going to get processed into probably spring of next year, maybe even summer. Again, this is not all bad here, right? If we get the IRS more money, obviously, they're going to get some armed agents. Hopefully, they're going to be able to help out the admin stuff. And then lastly, obviously, they're going to get more IRS regular agents. IRS agents are called revenue agents. And they're called revenue agents for a reason because they're there to generate revenue. Right. If they go out and they find no change on an audit, then they aren't making any money. So if they have the option to audit someone that is making $75,000 a year or $750,000, which one do you think that they're going to pick? They're obviously going to pick the person that makes more money because a very small change in his tax return that they were able to prove is a lot more money for them. On the other hand, if they have someone making $75,000, okay, maybe they make, they find something where you underreported by 5%. That's again, only like four grand after the expenses of paying that agent to go out on site, a couple of weeks of pay to work on this stuff, the IRS didn't make any money, right? So they do look into this stuff. If you're making a ton of money, then you're going to have a higher risk than someone that's not making that much money. 
We all have bad days when we just turn to someone and ask, how the heck do I fix this? When that happens to you on the business side, which may not be your strong suit, you want someone quick and you want them to be clear. That's exactly what Dan Groen from Detroit Garage found when he peppered the folks at Shopware with questions about how to make the most of its shop management system. As he puts it, they continually solve the curveballs that we throw at them. With seven shops, Dan jokes that he is a demanding client, but that is a sign of a guy committed to his business. Even better, the Shopware support team met every challenge with, in Dan's words, impressive capabilities and vigor. No complaints, no hassles, just a commitment to help Dan through his day. As Dan says, we make each other stronger. Now that's a partnership that works. It is time. Visit GetShopware.com. In today's world, managing the labor side of your business is more important than ever. Utilizing their industry-leading software, Labor Profit Management, Repair Shop of Tomorrow can help shops maximize their profits by developing a specific plan for each client. Do you know what your effective labor rate is? Do you know your technician's efficiency and productivity? Do you know how much profit dollars each technician is adding to the bottom line? If the answer is no, then this Napa Auto Care endorsed program from Repair Shop of Tomorrow is the program for you. Developed for shop owners by shop owners, this program will help you become more profitable on day one. Utilizing their unique labor management systems will allow you to work smarter, not harder. For more information about their programs, please visit them at repairshopoftomorrow.com. So of our total client base, which on an annual basis, we do about 1,000, maybe 2,000 tax returns a year, we see about one true audit a year, right? So everyone gets really concerned about IRS audits, even right now. Oh, you know what? I want the IRS come knocking on my door. And I always tell people a real audit is very, very uncommon. You know, if we do the math, let's say we do 1,500 tax returns a year and we have one audit a year, you know, you do the math on that. It's 0.001%. Very, very low odds. Now, some audits are truly random. A couple that we've had over the years, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Most situations, they won't even tell you why you got picked for audit. Every once in a while, we either know or the agent will tell us. You know, we've had a couple clients that have gotten audited and we've looked at their tax returns, right? Some of them were extremely complicated, so you didn't know what could have caused it. Other ones were very basic. So there wasn't a whole lot to really question on there, but they still got audited. A lot of these are truly random, but some of the major things that do cause audits are large credits, right? So we've had a couple people over the years that have claimed large credits on tax returns and they have ended up getting audited. Again, remember what I said before, IRS agents are revenue agents. So let's say you claim a $50,000 credit. If the IRS can come out and say, hey, you didn't calculate that credit right, or maybe you're not eligible for that credit whatsoever, that just generated $50,000. So large credits definitely raise a little bit of red flags. And obviously, any time that you're getting money back from the IRS, it's going to get raised as well, right? So if the IRS has to write you a check for $75,000, don't you think that they might look into your return a little bit more than the next person? A lot of this stuff is really computerized. So some of the true random audits is sometimes they just do pull a random audit and have an agent uh, review. But most of the time, what ends up happening is these returns are going through a computer system and they're just looking for things. So obviously, large credits are going to jump out, large expenditures. So if you have repairs and maintenance one year of $300,000 and your sales are $600,000, that's going to pull you out of that computer system onto someone's desk. And that agent might say, you know what? 
Let's go talk to this person. There's a little bit more questions that we have to ask here. Another thing that raises red flags or raises your audit risk is going to be amending returns or specifically amending returns to lower income or increase refunds. What we always tell our clients here is, hey, if there is an issue and we have to amend a return, we will do it. If there's any way that we can, you know, address the issue or correct the issue in the current year to avoid amending a return, we generally will. Because what I always tell my clients is, hey, if we do this, not only is it going to raise your audit risk, it's also going to cost you money because you're going to have to pay me to amend returns. If we can avoid it by doing it in the current year is really a win-win for both of us. And then the last one that happened a couple of years ago, uh, we don't see it anymore with our clients right now because we always check for this. But if your sales on your income tax return are less than what your credit card company reports, your credit card company gives you something called a 1099K at the end of the year. It's essentially a summary of all the money that they've sent your business um, that have come through their credit card processing. The first time that we saw this, and really the last time that we saw this, is we had a client that got audited and they said, hey, the reason we're auditing you is your credit card company said that you paid us, paid you a million fifty thousand. And on your tax return, you only reported that your sales are a million. So we think that you're underreporting your sales and we're going to audit your bank account, et cetera, et cetera. What ended up in that situation was my client did not accept cash, did not accept check, only accepted credit cards. Um, sales tax in the state was around 8%. His total sales were a million dollars, but he, comec- he collected a million eighty thousand dollars in credit cards because of the sales tax. And so when you report your sales, you don't include sales tax on it, but the number that goes to the IRS is everything sales tax included because your credit card company has no idea how to split those two apart. And so in that situation, what we ended up doing is, you know, showing the IRS agent that the sales were actually not underreported, but we still had to go through the audit. We still had to answer other questions. And now it's something that we always, always, always double check when we do a tax return at the end of the year. What to do if you do get contacted for an audit? What happens if the you know IRS or the state reaches out to you and says, hey, you're going through an income tax audit? Obviously, I'm an accountant, so the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is call your accountant. Let them know what's going on. Generally, it's not, hey, we're going to see you next week. It's, hey, we're going to see you by this date, usually 30, 60 days in the future. And a lot of times, they'll give you some homework. Hey, here's what we want to see. So as a general overall, you know, if, if I have a client that calls me up and something's and they're getting audited for any reason, I always kind of give them a little bit of a crash course on how to handle an audit, what to do and what not to do. So the first thing I always tell them is, hey, these people are there to collect a paycheck. They don't work on commission. They're not there to take your business. They're not going to make any more money if they find a million dollars worth of changes or if they find absolutely nothing. They're normal people just like you and I. Treat them with respect. Treat them well. Generally, they're going to treat you well. If you take nothing out of it, this is probably the biggest thing. I've had a couple clients that have ruined their own audits because they started being rude or ignorant to the IRS agents. And at the end of the day, the IRS agent, it's kind of their discretion, how far they want to dig, how picky they want to be. And it's turned out pretty bad for my clients. We've had other ones where we had a great relationship with the agent. We gave them everything we asked. We gave them in an organized fashion. They knew that we were being respectful. They came back, no changes, you know, and life is good. Now, every once in a while, you know, we're very nice, very cooperative and it doesn't go that way, but always just try to be nice to these people. That being said, they are not your friends. I don't care if you want to talk about your personal life. I recommend that you don't. At the end of the day, they're there to collect money. Okay, so don't let the facade fool you. Don't give them more than they ask for. If they ask for a report, 
Give them as basic of report that kind of follows the guideline of what they're asking. Don't give them anything more than you need to. Generally, a lot of times that they will ask for Excel files. I never give out Excel files. I always give out PDF files. Every once in a while, they'll really push it, and I end up having to give them some Excel files. But if you go back and you say, hey, my Excel is not working, here's a PDF, 99% of the time that they will take it. The reason why I don't like to give them an Excel file is it makes your life too easy to go down through and sort the data and look for outliers. If they have to do it manually on a PDF, it's generally a lot harder for them. So there's a little trick, right? We're giving them everything that they want, but not too much, not making their life too easy to be able to catch something. Next thing is never give them a copy of your QuickBooks file, right? A lot of times I ask for a QuickBooks file. Can't do that. Not going to give out my QuickBooks file. Happy to print you off anything in PDF. Just give me a list of reports. Again, same reason we don't want to give them a QuickBooks file. If they claim that they're looking at three accounts in your QuickBooks file, you don't think that they're going to start looking around everywhere else, maybe even years that are outside of your audit period as well. And lastly on this one, if you aren't sure what to say, just say nothing, right? Don't start talking, then don't start saying, well, maybe this, maybe that. Or even if you kind of know the answer, but you're not sure if you should say the answer, just say, okay, can I get back to you on that one? Call your accountant. Depending on how bad that answer is, maybe call your lawyer as well. But it's okay to just say, hey, let me get back to you on that one. So this pretty much this entire episode, we've been talking about income tax audits. Income tax audits, and specifically the IRS, are probably the things that most people are concerned about. They feel like that that is their biggest risk. However, just like we talked about earlier, an actual income tax audit is extremely rare. But what is much, much, much more common, especially for auto repair shops, is a sales tax audit. I don't get nervous about IRS audits very much. I've never had too many go that poorly, and most of them have actually turned out very well. However, sales tax audits are the exact opposite. One of the biggest things about sales tax audits is they almost never lose. Very, very, very rarely do I ever have a no-change sales tax audit. Again, these are revenue agents as well. They generally don't leave without getting at least three or $4,000. Now, the conspiracy side of me says, hey, maybe this is in some jurisdictions. They say you better not leave for less than three thousand because then you're costing us money by going out there. I'm sure it happens. The thing about sales taxes in some states, it's collected by the states, counties, even cities, depending on where you are. And I've had some pretty nasty jurisdictions. Sales tax audits are the only type of audit where I've actually had a client get arrested, spent some time in jail. I've had a number of clients had their doors chained shut, um, accounts frozen, accounts levied. Uh, The sales tax departments get very nasty. The reason why sales tax audits get so nasty is that's the only tax that these jurisdictions are generally collecting. So if you have a business and you're collecting sales tax and you're not paying that to them, then there's no reason for you to be in business in their eyes, which is why they get so aggressive. Generally, sales tax audits are random, so there's not a whole lot that you can do to really reduce your risk. The biggest thing here is obviously don't play around with sales tax. This is one thing where there's no gray area. This is something that I tell my clients, I don't care what else you're doing in your business, whatever you collect in sales tax, pay that in sales tax. If you're not sure whether you should charge it or not, charge it. The customer's going to pay it. You're going to give it to the state or the county, whoever. If you gamble and you say, well, I'm not going to charge it and you get audited. Now that's coming out of your pocket, not the customer's. These are probably the biggest risks that you have right now as far as getting audited is sales tax. 
If you haven't been audited before, you probably will be. Generally, we see kind of uh, hot spots of it. Like if we have a couple of years ago, we had Southeast Pennsylvania had like five sales tax audits for our clients in like a three month period. So generally what sales tax divisions do is they'll go after a certain industry, right? So they'll say, oh, we're going to have to repair shops. We're going after restaurants or we're going after bars, whatever it is. And they'll kind of highlight a, a segment and go after now, remember, these are revenue agents. Now, why do you think that auto repair is something that they go after so hard? I think that there's a lot of people that aren't doing sales tax correctly, and it's become fruitful for them. Hey, if we go out and we audit these guys, we always find at least 5000 10000 You know, I have clients that racked up two, $300,000 sales tax bills. I guess until the industry kind of gets their stuff together and doesn't get so much money for the county or state that's collecting these, then it's still going to be a big risk. But pay your sales tax, report your sales tax correctly, don't play around. And if you do get an audit um, and you are paying everything, it's still probably going to cost you a little bit, but not an arm and a leg. So last one on here that I wanted to quickly mention, only because it actually is becoming more common recently that we've seen, is state unemployment tax. And so, again, not done by the IRS, going to be done on a state level, but they're coming in, they're auditing you for state unemployment. So what they're looking for is they're looking for people under the table, you know, paying technicians under the table, any sort of employees off of payroll. And they're looking to say, all right, you paid this person $20,000 last year as casual labor. You didn't put him on payroll, which means that we as the state didn't get any state unemployment. We think that he should have been on payroll and we're going to charge you not only the unemployment, but obviously penalties and interest and stuff like that. The reason why state unemployment tax audits are becoming so common right now is think about all the benefits that those offices had to pay out and still are paying out right now for the last couple of years. Right. So these states and, you know, like I said before, with the sales tax, these counties, they need money. COVID was generally bad for the government and governmental agencies because all of their funds went down and a lot of their collection measures went down as well. So these states are going out and they're looking for money. So the big one on this one to reduce your risk is obviously don't pay people off of payroll. Now, this is not as common of an issue as I have seen, you know, since I've been doing this. Um, when I first started doing this about 10 or 12 years ago, this was really common. A lot of my clients had under the table cash employees. Now, virtually no one does. Um, if you do have a cash employee and you have a way to get them on payroll, I strongly, strongly advise it. Um, not only the state looks into this, the federal does. And like we talked about in the episode before, you're not doing either of you a favor. I hope these have been helpful for you. I hope it kind of cleared up some issues and maybe gave you a couple tips of what to do and not do in the future. But please share this with your friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. So thanks for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listing apps. So thanks again for joining me. Um, stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.